The night of February 5th, 1976, George and Kathleen Lutz and their three children fled their home in Amityville, New York, and never returned. For them, the horror was over. Their living nightmare shocked audiences around the world in the Amityville horror. But before them, another family lived in this house and were caught by the original evil. Uh, sooner or later, we should probably start talking about Amityville. We should, we should, um, we should head that direction. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's been a minute. Uh, you know, we were we were all excited um, when we started started this podcast, getting all ready to go. Oh, so many things that we could we're tackle. We're going to do this. And we're we're going to do, do that. that. We're going to do that. Yeah. Well, once a week. Let's yeah. Let's be conservative and say just once a week. We could do it yeah. every day, every few hours, but no, we'll do once a week. Uh, but no, it's been a minute because uh, apparently life is about more than just talking about films. So, Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Well, certainly, yeah. I I came down with the uh, with the COVID, so right. th- that meant not so much that I couldn't do a podcast. I could do a podcast through my COVID. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind, uh, but yeah, it also meant having the kids at home because they all had it. So yeah, no, not really a not really a good environment for uh, for doing <laughs> doing podcast. No, it's it's, it's not. Um and I, I, I was asleep for most of it. Um, <laughs> yep. Aaron fell asleep. <laughs> you know, bodily, basically we've been restricted by our stupid mortal bodies, um, our physical material self. Uh, yes. Getting in the but way I, of our it's, cerebral. It's getting close to the point where I'm, I'm starting to get a bit, I'm losing my patience. <laughs> losing your patience with, with your body? With, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be getting a bit Burt Young on it soon, I think. <laughs> oh, look at that segue. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, how are we going to do this then? We've got we've decided this time to talk about the uh, the Amateurvilles because yes, n- not because and you, you can speak for yourself, but certainly from my end, I'm not I'm not an especially big fan of these films. Uh, in fact, I think the first and the third one are quite bad i think the second one which aaron actually turned me on to i'd never seen it um i didn't think i would i didn't think there was much need to it isn't something that i'd heard much uh, good things you know said it's, it's not especially fondly remembered i don't think it might be no. getting a bit of a reappraisal but it's not like people said okay well if you didn't like the first amateurville try the second one it was more but but then aaron uh, told me to <laughs> implored me to go and watch Amityville 2 at some point uh, years and years ago and I did kind of you know slightly rolling my eyes going oh god alright let's see what this is like and actually but not sure enough it actually is uh, significantly to me anyway significantly better than the first one it's just a bit more interesting I think um, better made um, it's got some fun ideas and uh, camera work especially like Aaron yeah, it's- uh, mentioned this camera work is quite yeah, quite ambitious and pretty good for a film like that. Yeah. Um, so, so what? So, so, is, so, in watching it this time, is that is this the first you've seen it since then? 
Yes, yeah. Um, so I watched it once when he recommended it to me, and then I, I think I showed bits and pieces of it to other people. Uh, but yeah, that's been years, and I hadn't seen it since then. I hadn't seen the the first Amateur Bill since I was a teenager, uh, because I remember watching it and just not thinking much of it at, at all. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of... I kind of assumed that it's one of those films that's unlike the the Exorcist or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or other kind of iconic seventies horror films. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem like one which ever had the same. It, ha- it had the impact of being based on a true story, which I think everyone kind of assumed must be sort of true um, without yeah. looking much further into it. I, I guess the book came first, right? The um, the, am- yes, my, uh, the, the um, amateur horror book yeah. about the supposedly true case. So I get, yeah. And then the movie came almost instantly after that, I think. Yeah. Uh, was, so I, was... Yeah. So it was like a sensation, but as a film, I don't remember hearing about it in particularly fond terms. And certainly having seen it myself, I didn't think very fondly of it. Uh, so I'd kind of ignored it up until you recommended the second one. And then I watched that and thought, yes, that's a lot better. But going back, to the first one and I'm watching that and still finding it quite boring and uh, and just not, not particularly interesting um, I did worry, oh well maybe watching the second one I'm actually not going to think that was as good as I remembered seeing it uh, but no, the second one to me still held up pretty well, if anything maybe a little bit better than the first time I saw it uh, third one, less said about the better I think um, <laughs> I, I've but, only seen the third one once I think, yeah, Amateurville 3D. I'd actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure if, um, I wasn't sure that it was Amateurville 3D, but yeah, it, it is. Uh, directed by, and I only just learned this, uh, having watched it recently, uh, directed by Richard Fleischer, who has made a couple of my favorite childhood films. Uh, he made The Vikings and uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with uh, Kurt, both of those with Kurt Douglas. Uh, yeah. He made Barabbas, which you must be familiar with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think I've seen since I was very young, but I do remember it. Um, is, is that a good Jesus film, Barabbas? I mean, it's not well, really a Jesus film. I haven't seen it in a long film, time but... either. It's uh, uh, like, uh, was maybe a teenager or in my, uh, well, it's, it's been, a, it's been, uh, 15 plus years since I saw it. Like right. Um, but I, I have a list of sort of because for another thing that I do um, periodically, um, I, I, what Sean is referring to is the thing to do with Jesus films. Um, and so for, for things to do in the future, I've got these kind of um, groups of films that have got kind of cordoned off and I'll, I'll look at all those at the same time. Um, mm. And I do have that on there, um, but I've yet to, to go back to it. So, so I, I, I honestly, I, I don't, I don't know how it, how it um, holds up or how it was in the first place. Really. I can't even think. Um, from Yeah. From what I remember of it, it's only a Jesus film, uh, kind of similar to the, what's the, uh, the robe, you the know, robe, where exactly, the yeah, actual film takes place after, Jesus has died. Usually, Jesus dies at the beginning of these films, and then you're seeing the knock-on effects. Yeah, yeah. 
So I don't know. I can't remember if Jesus is even in it. I assume he's in it at the very beginning. But other than that, I remember it's, uh, Barabbas kind of being carted off from place to place. I think he ends up as a gladiator at one point. Yes, um, he has. Yeah, there's yeah, quite a saga. Um. <laughs> but anyway, then Richard Fleischer does Amityville 3D, which is really odd. Um, and and it's uh, quite quite shit as well. Um, yes. But, but that's that's that, those are my opinions on the films in general. I think the first one I don't think is very good. Still, uh, second one I think is. I mean, you know, as a story, as a whatever, it's kind of. But but it's well made. I think mm-hmm. I think the, there are some interesting ideas in there. And then the third one, yeah, can't can't be asked with that really. But what do you think? Like, do you, I don't know what you think about the first one. I. Uh, the first one, I. The the franchise in general, it's it's, it's strange because it's one of the m- most famous um, mm. franchises. Is, is, uh, I mean, it's people are probably as familiar with it as they are with a Nightmare on Elm Street or uh, Friday the Thirteenth or any of these mm. or Scream or these long running things. Um, but the difference is that I would imagine. I mean, people could probably tell you. There, there are, you can imagine that there are people who know what each installment of A Nightmare on Elm Street is like, and I cannot believe that there's anyone really who would call themselves a fan of the Amityville series, right. so that they could tell you the difference between the one that came out in 1992 and the one that came out a bit later in 1992 and the one that came out in 1993 <laughs> and the one that went on the TV the month before. It's, it's like, yeah. It's, well, it's, and arguably, you know, it sort of, it's sort of tied with the, uh, the newer, like the conjuring films, the, the other, yeah. the extended Warren verse, um, mm-hmm. Which technically aren't Amateur, but like Amateur, the Amateurville case turns up at the beginning of uh, Conjuring Two, I think. It is yeah. very, very briefly. So you know, it's all tied in. We'll get to that later because the Warrens are involved somehow yes. or other. But um, yeah, and and then the, the, there was the Amateur Horror remake with Ryan Reynolds in I don't know two thousand five yeah, or uh, so. Melissa um, George. That's right. Yeah, Melissa George. Well, that's the thing. I was I was looking back because I remembered at, at that time, the time the remake came out, I was uh, a, a a feisty young blogger in the world, oh, uh, yeah. and so I knew I had done, I had written something about that, um, and so because because just to answer you, I, it's a series where certain bits stand out for me, but the films themselves. Um, I mean, some of them have their moments, and uh, the second one is the only one where I would say, "Jesus, that's like." The second one is so much better than than any of the others I've seen. But it's 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 it does. I mean, it's it's it feels supernatural in itself as a thing to exist, um, relative to how mundane and boring uh, so much of the rest of them are. And the first yeah. one is. I feel much because I look back and it turns out what I thought at that time was, um, well, if you know everyone was was very keen to 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 pull stuff from the seventies at that time or the early eighties, um, and my thinking was, well, if you're gonna um, remake anything from that time, it makes sense to 
aim at something like this where people have an idea of what it is, but the film itself wasn't very good in the first place. Right. Um, but I did say, but you leave the second one alone because that's a different <laughs> Like I've since learned that a recent installment, if you could call it that, um, is pretty much a remake of the second one. Um, mm. but, uh, but, but, but yeah, so, so, I I never I never rated any of them all that highly. Some of them were flat out awful. Some of them were really boring. Um, so and I, I don't know when it is that the second one announced itself as something different because now I would say that that's one of my favorite films of all time. Oh really? I don't know when I started feeling like that. Um, <laughs> I I know I did see it as a, as a when I was growing up like really we um and i know that then by the time of that remake i had decided it was as i still believe it to be but i don't know why that is i don't know when that happened um mm. i do remember a, a time when i was old enough to watch it and to be realizing just how much was going on in some of those uh like that possession sequence mm. like like being properly blown away by what by how that was unfolding so I remember that a turning point where it was it wasn't just about being creeped out by this thing. Like it was Jesus, this is properly like how the hell did they do that? Like uh, like that's incredible stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 one of those things where it, there's there's a there's a comforting there's something about those windows and um, that, that's quite comforting in itself in a nostalgic sort of way. But the other films I, I've very little time for they're kind of interesting yeah. in how they unfold and go through different sorts of genres and so well, yeah to, uh, to begin with should we uh just in case someone listening doesn't really they again like a lot of people i think know roughly what amateurville is uh it's a haunted house type thing maybe there's a motor mm. involved um but a basic rundown of what it was and then what the film's are what each film is because they're all kind of distinct in their own way. Um, so Amityville, there was a. Yeah, well, do you want to explain about the DeFeo Motors? At, I forget the address. Ocean Avenue, somewhere in uh, Amityville, one, New York. One one. I think that's a two. One twelve yeah. Ocean Avenue. One yeah. twelve Ocean <laughs> Avenue. Okay. To to the best of my recollection, um, uh, the house was. I think this is correct. The house was owned by the DeFeo family before mm. the DeFeo family who died in that house moved in. So I think it was it was owned prior to that by older relatives. I think so. In any okay. case, the this uh, Italian American family moved in at some point, and at some point, um, the son or one of the sons, um, uh, Ronald. Um, he, he, he started to, well, his, his claims afterwards were that he started to feel like he was, um, uh, that there was some supernatural force in the house and it was communicating with him, um, or it was a, a demonic presence, whether it belonged to the house or had followed him there. Uh, but in any case, he, he, there was a, a night, um, when the entire family, when uh, except him, were were killed, um, 
shot. Shot, yeah. Um, and the story is, or in fact, the, <clears throat> the truth is, as far sorry, this is a really, hang on, I'll, I'll, right, okay. So a lot of that you can leave away, right? Okay. So <laughs> there's a house. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a lovely, uh, fairly fairly big house uh, in, uh, in 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 mm. in in Long Island, uh, and this although it's nowhere nowhere near as uh, detached as the movies make it seem. In real in real life, it's actually very close to other houses on a street, but in the films, the house they use is but you know right by a. Right by a lake and seems to yeah, be pretty it's, isolated. It's, yeah, it seems like it's almost like um, let's scare Jessica to death or something. It's like mm, it's yeah. like as if it's way out Woodstock or something. Yeah. Um. So so the the story is that that this family were in there. There was a young guy, um, the son of them, uh, one of uh, one of the sons, uh, the oldest son, um, and he shows up in a pub apparently one day um, in a state yeah. of distress and he says that his the rest of his family have been killed, have been shot um, and sure enough when when an investigation kicks off they go and it's true that the, the rest of his family so two sisters um, one a bit a lot younger than the other, I think. Um, a younger brother and the the two parents uh, were all were all killed. Um, they were all, if I remember the details, are they were all sort of face down um, with their hands to their heads, um, and they had all been shot. Uh, and the, the, however it had happened. It, the, the suggestion is that it, it managed to happen that each person was killed without the rest of them being aware or without making enough noise for anyone else to to have um, to have heard any of this um, so so that was the initial thing and then it became the case that um, uh, Ronald DeFail himself uh, was charged um, with 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 murdering the rest of his family, and his plea was eventually one of insanity. But in the middle of that, there was this talk that um, that it had been that he was a victim of uh, of, of of demonic possession. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it was at a time. I mean, this was what nineteen seventy four, five. Around that sort I think, of time. I th- yeah, I think maybe even a little bit earlier than that. But yeah. It would have been. It would have been. The Exorcist would have been out in the air mm. by then. Um, certainly, the the recent film, uh, which I only learned about recently uh, as well, is um, the Amityville Murders, which is basically a remake of the second one. Um, mm. There's a part in that where one of the other characters quotes Reagan from The Exorcist. So, oh, really? I, I don't know if it actually was out and about by the time, but I, I think it was. So probably there was a bit of that in the air. Um, yeah. And I guess it made sense as a, uh, but it didn't. It didn't work. Um, yeah. Well, it's it's also probably worth pointing out that DeFeo is uh, is he still alive? Or he's died now, hasn't he? I th- I, th- I thought he was still alive. He might still but, um, be alive. Just I saw a recent interview. Yeah. Um, he he may have died since then. Actually, mm. you, may, you may be right. Well, he he has changed his story uh, a whole lot of times. Um, 
And even within the same interview or the same confession, his story will change uh, completely. So the demonic possession angle is just one of many. Then there was another one I seem to remember where he said that he landed with a, a girlfriend, perhaps? Or he, he mm. said there was someone else involved who actually did the murders and he was just sort of along for the ride. Um, it, it's changed a lot. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think... Arkham's razor is that he yeah and there was also some you know, stuff to do with yeah I, I think so I mean <laughs> uh, but but there were there were there have been suggestions that um, the family had links to um, organized crime the Gen- uh, what's that the Genovese family yeah. yes that's right so um, I mean I don't know how solid that is and how much of that is just kind of uh, stereotypical kind of well they were Italian American you know they must have had some involvement no it, um, it, it is true it I is, think I yeah. think his uncle was a, a capo capo regime or something in one of those families which I, yeah I don't know if that actually has anything to do with the murders but supposedly well they that say that, that young young Ronnie was a was 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 quite proud of that connection um, yeah. and could be heard boasting about it. And I guess the same way people do, you know, uh, oh, I'll get my brother to you or whatever, but it's just in his case, yeah. I'll get the mob to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know. Mm. But, but yeah, there, I mean, there, there, were, there were connections there. And um, so there's been some suggestion that there was, that, and there was money that went missing and, um, and different things like this. But then right. the house eventually the, the so obviously strangely enough it I mean usually when this happens or at least I always assumed that what happened was that houses like that just you know with that kind of but then this is the thing was it notorious prior to the lots business well no, no. Um, <laughs> but not long after this family move in the lotses um, mm-hmm. uh, they're both. As far as I know, they were both, um, they had children from previous marriages, I think. I think she, the woman, had children from previous marriages, uh, and he was the stepfather, George Lutz, and, uh, oh no, I want to say Kathy? Kathy Yeah, Kathy, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, He he had some sort of military background. Um, Oh, I didn't know about that. Well, it's, it's one of the... (laughs) <laughs> I've actually it's one of the because I didn't get I because I, prior to this I started until I was doing this I started to read um, John G. Jones's The Amityville Horror Part 2 uh, which ah. I've had about here for a million years and never looked very much into it has nothing to do with the film mm. The Amityville um, has nothing to do with Amityville 2 um, but uh, it does I, there was a bit where I I, I thought there was a, a detail that I, I kind of um I don't know where it is now, but it was it, there. There was a point where the author made clear, almost in a, like a non sequitur sort of way, he was also very well trained in the martial arts. Uh, so, so it's like um, so, again, so George moved in. Yeah. Well, then again, I, I will say this before we get into the Lutzes too much. Um, so basically, Amityville Horror, as far as the movies go, the first one is based off the Lutzes having moved into this house where mm-hmm. a murder, a real life murder had taken place. And the Lutzes were are real and they did move into this house where the real life murder had taken place. They did flee it 
and uh, then claimed that all sorts of paranormal goings on were the reason for that. Uh, came up with, I, I don't know if they came up with it, but sold that story, made a book out of it. The book was sold, turned into a film. And that is what makes the first Amityville film. Um, but it is worth mentioning, though, that the Lutzes are notoriously, at least George, is notoriously untrustworthy. Um, also changes his story quite often. Also is very litigious and sues a lot of people um, <laughs> based on this. Uh, so it also doesn't surprise me that, you know him being very well trained in the martial arts that it's sounds bit, like uh, the kind of thing he might put out there um, <laughs> yeah, so we bet neil breen <laughs> yeah yeah is that, is that the, man's name neil breen neil breen yeah, yeah the, the <laughs> film director of, of a sort yeah um who cast himself in his own movies as an action sort of superhero uh despite Wait, the, the way presumably uh george would, would probably yeah well possibly i mean he Potentially was, do. I, I think he was, it's fair to say that the Lutzes had the most direct involvement with the first film and less so with the second and uh, virtually nothing with the third, um, mm. which is why he, I, I think he did sue both the makers of the second and the third one at various points uh, for not including him. Um, but yeah, in the first one, you know, he's assuming he had some kind of direct involvement with it he is played by james brolin yeah. <laughs> you know a very uh, uh at the time anyway a kind of hunk right um yeah and, and later um ryan reynolds as you said so that, yeah yeah although he, he i think he got very angry with that remake for some reason or other uh the real george lutz i think he was very unhappy with that he sued them and uh, made all kinds of claims but i i think it was because they didn't consult him directly Oh, I think okay. that was the reason. I think it's that they were using his his name and story, but didn't involve, i.e. probably pay him as a consultant. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. But that's he, he He seems to want to sue anyone and everyone who touches And I guess you can now. run with his his story. Um, like, I kind of, in, like, in the, because you, you watched the first one recently. Does it have a mm. scene, like, I remember there being in the remake where, He's chopping wood and he's getting the children yeah. to hold the wood. Is that, is that seen in the original one? Um, I don't believe he's getting the children to hold the wood, no. Because there is a the, sense that he's about to clatter an axe into one of them. Um, mm. So it's maybe stuff like that. He, you know, it's like, um, it's okay. I, I, can, I can be in red light and my beard all <laughs> weird. But I draw a line yeah. uh, suggesting that I tried to take an axe to <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, actually, yeah, in the original, that yeah, he's chopping the wood, uh, and his wife is nearby, sort of having a go at him for chopping too much wood. Actually, um, yeah, doesn't it get a sort of, um, and this is sort of before The Shining, mm. whereas Amityville 2 has traces of post Shining about it, but mm. but in the first one, isn't there almost like a kind of like Jack Nicholson at the typewriter kind of thing with the wood chopping, like it's yeah. relentless? It's like, yeah, yeah, where he's getting no wood less, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but, but but so anyway so we don't <laughs> but so the first amateurville is based on the lutzes who were the family who moved in after the murders and claimed that there was some kind of demonic presence that forced them to flee because it was making yeah. them all go a bit wrong um as far as i know like the in the book and the film it seems to mostly whatever this demonic presence is 
um, Indian burial ground, I think, is the uh, official explanation yeah. given by them, even though there's no one in, no local historian who will corroborate that. Um, no. But Indian burial ground. And it seems to just make priests or nuns uh, sick. When they go when they go in the house, yeah, it brings them uh, on flies. <laughs> yeah, so they'll throw some flies and make you make you vomit. Um, yeah. which I thought is quite funny because it happens twice in the in the first film. Yes, first the priest comes in at the beginning because he's uh, I suppose being asked to bless the house, but he yeah. sort of wanders in without anyone knowing he's there. <laughs> goes into a goes into one of the bedrooms, um, gets some flies coming at him and then leaves the house in horror and 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 is sick for a week or so and then yes. not very much later than that a nun comes who i think is an, an aunt or something like that um but she comes and exactly the same thing happens <laughs> no flies this time but she just comes and immediately <laughs> has to leave she, oh i'm feeling very unwell and yeah. just goes away and it's like well do we need to see that twice but um, it actually reminded me, I think they took that for paranormal activity. Um, one of the things that uh, I, I found funniest about the first paranormal activity film was that they hire a, a kind of demonologist or a paranormal investigator, That's I right, think. That's right, yes. And yeah. he comes all the way from, yeah, I remember he's very far away and he, he doesn't want to make the trip. He's like, oh, well, no, it's probably fine. And they, then he's convinced to come. He comes all the way, comes to the front door and then says, oh, I can't go in there. <laughs> it's too scary. Um, and just leaves. Um, anyway, I, I didn't know if that might be a reference, but yeah. So, so no, 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 no flies in, 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 in no flies in my number two either. Of really, I, I remember um, loads of flies. There's barely any. Yeah, you there's might also be right. chasing the priest out of the house type, type yeah, stuff. Yeah, but that happens again. There's no. Um, I mean, because mm. flies is one of the things you associate with with the series, I suppose, with the franchise is is the rooms full of flies, yeah, um, and the bother that this causes for it does it does happen in the third one um, at the beginning. Someone gets devoured by flies. <laughs> um, well, flies are, are of course famously very Lutheran. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the first one's based on the Lutzes, the one they had direct involvement in. Uh, the second one, though, which is probably the one we'll talk about the most, just because it's, well, first of all, it's the one that we both seem to actually quite like, and hmm. arguably it's the most interesting one, but that one is a prequel to the f- to the first film. Yeah. Uh, kind of. It's a prequel to the first film, so you think it's based on the uh, DeFeo murders. Mm-hmm. And it is. But uh, they've changed the names. They've changed it's, the names, and, and some other things about the family maybe are a little different. Yeah, and and the it, it is evidently not. There are things about it that that mean it can't be set at the time the DeVeo murders happened. For instance, there there are things. Um, I mean, would even would that type of Walkman even have been? Yeah. No. No. It's set. It seems to be set in the 80s. It, it was released in 1982, and it seems to be yeah. set around then. Um, yeah, there's which, nothing that says, like, um, you know, years, however many years earlier or whatever. There's, there's, yeah, not, not to the point it, where you, you would be forgiven, I think, watching it without any prior knowledge. You'd be forgiven for thinking it was a sequel, not a prequel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you'd paid very close attention in the first film where they mentioned... Um, well, no, because in the first film, I think they... 
mention Ronald DeFeo by name. Yeah. And then in the second film, the family has a completely different name. And the kid yeah, is and called arriving. Ronald. So they're arriving, just having moved in much is almost identical in the setup to the to the first one with the Lutzes yeah. arriving. So I don't know if there is actually Again, if I hadn't known that it was essentially a prequel, I'm not sure I would have known any different. I think no. I would have thought it was a sequel. Just this that, house, lots, lots of people moving into this house and having trouble. Yeah, the only, yeah. I mean, I guess if you knew, I mean, I'm trying to think, actually, how did I know it was a, did, when did I know it was a prequel? Did I always know or Because, yeah, I mean, as you said, there's, there's nothing really that says that it is, except for the credit. Well, this is where the issue for the Lutzes was, was um, they wanted the film to be based on um, this book by John G. Jones, which is called The Amityville mm. Horror Part 2. So you would think, well, that seems sensible. <laughs> but there's not a huge amount that happens in The Amityville Horror Part 2. But it is mm. all about the Lutzes. Um, and, yeah. uh, and off they go. And uh, as, as Liddy Warren um, told them, a point uh, the evil will follow you it's not bound to the yeah. house um so really <laughs> what you were looking needed. at was yeah <laughs> so so yeah so the, the 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 book is largely about what goes on at one of their parents i think it's uh kathy's mum's house they go to or it's one of their one of their house, i don't know and yeah. uh, George you could say it's a could say it's a cash cow a new uh, yeah. book for every time you move and you make money on one book you move into a nicer house but you know the demon's coming with you so <laughs> yeah. time to write another book and move yeah uh, uh, we, we should probably mention at this point like, do we follow the Lutzes or do we follow the house like where does yeah. this franchise go <laughs> well I mean by the yeah by the Lutzes from their story it's that this house was um, built on the site of some kind of Indian burial ground yeah. So, therefore, you would think it was tied to the house, but, yeah, apparently it can also follow you around. Um, we should probably mention at this point how, who the Warrens are and why they're involved, because we're going to be casually mentioning them, I think, yeah. throughout. Do you want to so, give us... Oh, please. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Warrens. <laughs> I, I, I think they're a ghastly, ghastly couple of people. Um, they were, they were a, I mean, if, if you're familiar now with the Conjuring films, then that's who the Warrens are. Uh, the Conjuring mm. franchise uh, dramatizes the Warrens and kind of makes them sexy superheroes against evil. Um, but in reality, they were two like fairly unremarkable um, uh, husband and wife parapsychologists, or what were they? Yeah, paranormal... Paranormal investigators, investigators. Par- paranormal warriors, yeah, <laughs> um, who started popping up anytime anything unusual went on anywhere, um, mm. and sort of popping up and saying, "Well, it's demonic in nature. It's demonic possession. It's demonic um, interference in some way or other." Uh, so they've been they've sort of associated themselves with a lot of like the Enfield haunting, for instance. Yeah. Uh, the Enfield Poltergeist in England, which was a famous story about a single mother with children who claimed that their house was afflicted by poltergeists. Now, the Warrens, and certainly the Conjuring too, makes it seem like the Warrens solved that. Um, mm. They went and dealt with it. In reality, um, they turned up uninvited after it made a bit of got a bit of attention in the news. Turned up uninvited and weren't even allowed to go in the house. <laughs> they were they were sent away, and uh, the. <laughs> 
uh, someone else who was involved um, said that uh, Warren had basically offered them a lot of money to uh, go along with his version of the story. Or said yeah. that you could make a lot of money um, going along with his version of the story, which, you know, that says something. And, you, and this is a theme that follows the Warrens throughout their life. Um, they tend to... I mean, the the, the I, I can't remember who it was who revealed this about Amityville, but he said that it was concocted over a dinner party, like the, the whole story. Um, yeah. Was kind of concocted over. Yeah, it was someone. It was either the. I think it was. They they, didn't. They have like their lawyer involved, and he sort of became their literary agent. The whole thing was a bit strange. Like the 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 way that this story came about and was publicized. um, Yeah, something all a little bit odd about it. But the Warrens didn't turn up until after the family had already left the house. Uh, Apparently, they went to the house about a month or two after the Lutzes had left and started making, you know, trying to get in the papers over it. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, went in and Ed Warren predictably said, yep, spooky house for sure. Uh, (laughs) Definitely a demon here. Um, uh, Oh, he's saying he heard voices. I I also am hearing voices. Um, And that's basically what they did. But the funny thing about the Warrens is they must have been kind of annoyed. I'm sure they got some money from Amityville, from the the franchise kind of originating. I would imagine somehow, some way they did. And But I think what happened later was Ed Warren died, uh, I want to say about 15 years ago, maybe maybe even earlier. Um, But Lorraine was still alive. And she's thinking, well, Lorraine is... The crappest of the two. Like she, she seemed to be there mostly to go along with what Ed was saying. But she, her superpower was that she could. Um, she was a medium, I suppose. She was so faint. Not again. <laughs> she was sort of faint and say that she. I, I think she was the one who was supposed to have a direct connection with the ghost or the entity, whereas Ed was more of the the fighter. You know. Yeah. Um. Was there a, because because in the Conjuring films, the, as you were saying recently when I was when I said I was going to watch the third of those, mm. and you had said about how um, how heavily it leans into the kind of um, you know warriors of Christ stuff. Uh, mm. What was there? Do you think was there was there a sort of um, was there an element of that to their self-promotion? Was it a kind of culture wars kind of, um, you know, Christian soldier kind of thing? I'm I'm not sure. I mean, they, they were evangelical. Uh, like, that's pretty well known, which is why it's kind of strange that in the, fir- in the first Conjuring films, you know, that's sort of there, the, the, the kind of power of Christ compels you stuff, but mm-hmm. it's usually kind of conspicuously drafted they've draft they they'll draft in some kind of priest character who comes with them to do some of that stuff yeah um, which made me think that you know it's, it's no secret that um you know kind of a bible bashing or even just overt christian um terminology or content in hollywood doesn't do all that well anymore um and you know especially by the time conjuring come out came out you know they're selling films to uh, other territories, China and mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, so I, I thought, well, maybe that's the reason they've sort of downplayed that aspect of the Warrens because the real life Warrens were as Christian as you could get, um, evangelical almost, uh, and were going to people 
uh, you know, people whose uh, children, for instance, were suffering from epilepsy or some other kind of disorder and trying yeah. to pray the pray the devil out of them. That That's what they were. Um, but you don't really see that in the first couple of Conjuring movies so much, or at least it's not the emphasis. Whereas in the third one, I think they kind of lean into it a little bit towards the end in a, in a way yeah, that's it's- sort of surprising and a bit unusual. Um, but no, I think what, what really happened was that the Warrens were sort of known-ish for being tangentially related to the Amityville haunting and other things. But I don't. I think there might have been something in them that was a little bitter that they didn't get much of the the limelight from this, and they weren't in any of the movies. Uh, you know, uh, kicking ass for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, so I think Ed dies first. Yeah, Ed dies, and then Lorraine Warren, who's you know left to her own devices goes oh well I could unearth some of our other (laughs) investigations and sell them to movie studios Um, and I I think that the talk around The Conjuring um, was that oh this was an investigation that's so disturbing and so traumatic and so (laughs) horrifying that she hadn't felt that she was able to release it into the public consciousness yeah Now, then the, so The Conjuring comes out, and it does have a big caption at the beginning saying, like, this is so disturbing that until now you haven't been allowed to hear of it. As far as I know, they wrote a book about it and everything. Uh, it <laughs> happened in the 70s. I think it was the Perrin, Perrin household. Um, now, you, you, you look at The Conjuring and you think, this is the, this is the Amateurville horror again. <laughs> <laughs> it, is the, it, it is virtually the same story uh, and the same yeah, e- even the setup of the film is almost you know a family arrives uh, there's a you know there's there's instantly sort of things going wrong um, there's uh, the the matriarch well matriarch in the conjuring patriarch in the in the Amateurville, uh starting to act violent and starting to, yeah. you know, seem to have bad intentions against the family. Then it turns out it's a spirit that's possessing them, causing them to do this. Um, yeah, very, very similar. And certainly not so disturbing that it couldn't possibly have been heard by human ears until now, especially <laughs> when the Amateurville horror already exists. It's very, very much the same. Yeah. In fact, maybe a little less disturbing because the Amateurville horror was based on a real-life murder that actually happened, whereas I think a lot of what goes on in The Conjuring, probably safe to say it didn't happen at all. Well, yeah, and and another key difference, and it never occurred to me, I was listening to Kim Newman's commentary track on the the DVD of the Amityville 2, mm. uh, where he points out that one of the great benefits of having a based on a true story is that you can end when the story when you decide you want to end. So you don't mm-hmm. have to resolve anything because it's based on reality. So yeah. the story is the family went in, things went to fuck really quickly, spooky, spooky, and then they went, and that's it, the end. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like there's no, yeah. nobody comes in to resolve things or fix it, or whereas in The Conjuring, they do sort of. Yeah, and, and then, it's the Warrens who come yeah. in. That's the, that's the other thing that I think is... Uh, well, in my mind, kind of insidious about the, the Conjuring films. But, yes, yeah, so the, the Lorraine Warren not only goes, oh, well, I got a bunch of other investigations for you to make movies of. It's also, and we're going to be in it. Like, me and Ed are going to be the heroes of the story. 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to be practically infallible. Um, and in fact, especially in the sequel and in the third film, even more so, there seems to be quite a lot of sort of score settling going on. It it seems almost like the Warrens, you know, by giving the rights and having direct input into these films, um, may have stipulated at one point, well, we need a bit where where we kind of win, you know, we, we win some point scoring against this yeah, person. Because, yeah. you know, in reality, they were quite rightly sort of laughed out of many places. They were They had no good evidence for anything, and they were... You know, they were frankly ridiculous. So they'd be up in uh, debates with uh, skeptics. I remember that there's, I think, two uh, skeptics who constantly butted heads with them. And uh, unfortunately, I don't remember their names. But I I feel like, you know, in The the Conjuring... uh, Yeah, The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is also very similar to the uh, DeFeo case. But we'll get to that. Um, But yeah, there's a lot in there of, you know, people doubting them and then very quickly being punished for doubting them. Um, Yeah, it's it's like kind of, it's like a a more elaborate, um, you know, Father Ted acceptance speech, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And now I'm the liars. liars. Yeah, Yeah, there is a lot of that. And, um, well, we'll get to the Conjuring films later because they're, you know, honestly, they they could probably have an episode in and of themselves. But anyway, uh, so so the first time it was the Lutzes, the second one is the DeFeo Motors, although with a a different name. And obviously it it starts, I would say probably the first half to two thirds of it is the DeFeo case. But then it goes into kind of the exorcist again. Um, it does. Yeah. Where he is absolutely possessed and there's a priest sort of trying to cast uh, cast it out of him. Um, yeah. And then the third film isn't related to any of that at all. Um, the, no. the third film it, it is has... completely... Uh, yeah, I don't think it bears any resemblance to anything in the it original story. It has the story. same house. Yeah. Not, you know. <laughs> it's it, got the house. Not only did it blow up, but if you're looking at this as some sort of prequel, it blew up before the Lancers moved in. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, and the, yeah, the second film, yeah, the, the house blows up at the end. But it also blows up, I think, at, uh, during the Lancers' time there. Uh, it, it keeps blowing up, this house. It, in the second film, towards the end, when the priest, is, uh, the priest brings the son who's possessed back to try and cast, uh, cast the demon out of him, and the house blows yeah. up while he's doing that, but it, it, it must be some sort of metaphorical explosion because well, yeah, because he's still nothing is actually he, he hasn't blown up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that seems to be a running theme that the house has to blow up at some point. Um, and eventually, but, they just they, they, they ditch the house altogether um, uh, mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, even though the house is the thing that's that makes that is iconic, um, it's the kind of hockey mask of the thing is those windows. Yeah. Um, so once the series yeah. drops that, I mean, you're like, well, what the hell's the point? It's kind of like that Friday the 13th actual uh, TV series, which had nothing to do with Jason Voorhees or anything. It was just kind of kind of like the Warrens, actually. Uh, the, <laughs> was it not like some sort of antique shop and each antique had this strange story or something? Oh, like I don't know. But uh, it wasn't, that it wasn't sound, a, another thing to make fun of the Warrens for is that they have a fucking <laughs> museum. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of in their sh- in their like back shed, which claims to have all of their evil uh, artifacts that they've yeah, accrued. Just stuff that they've mm. went around charity shops like getting and just left it in the coal shed for a week. Yeah. <laughs> and then and put I mean, it in the, the glass the, case. The Annabelle <laughs> doll. The Annabelle doll is the funniest one when you see what the real thing is. 
and it's well, just it's just a raggedy Ann doll that they've put in a they've put in a, in a kind of glass cabinet. It's very disappointing. Once you, you know, I think for people who saw the film, I was like, "Oh my god, that doll is very scary." And then when you see the real thing, you think, "Okay." So the the first film is a is a big success, um, even if uh, whether it was especially well liked or not. Um, mm. But it did enough to sort of cement Amadeville as something um, that belonged to pop culture now. As well. yeah. So you could really do whatever you were going to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, rights, not with it. But then again, I mean, in this case, uh, I mean, you can't you can't claim that a postcode is uh, is your, uh, you know, um, you, you, can't, you can't copyright geography. So you, know, <laughs> you, you can't tell yeah. someone you can't make a film about that <laughs> that bit of road over there because we as yeah. our, our intellectual property. Um, but, but also um, the, the the murders, the real life murders, the DeFeo murders mm-hmm. can't be copyrighted either. No, because uh, it's a... It's, unless, yeah, unless record. the only way you could copyright a lot of this stuff was if a lot of this stuff you made up. <laughs> funny that, yeah, it was funny that I had, yeah I had to go into a into a book first. Um, <laughs> but but I mean the, the 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 fact that it uses all of this is based on unlike Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday Thirteenth. You can argue that you know any serial killer film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, is sort of based on Ed Gein ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is supposedly but based on Wes Craven reading something about people dying in their sleep. Yeah. Um, but with the the thing that separates, I think, Amityville is that it does at least have its basis in a real-life murder, something yeah. that actually happened and that was horrible. Um, whether the, the, and the films... Well, the second one does uh, depict that. I mean, the first one does in sort of flashbacks. You see a gun going off every now and then. Yeah. But um, the first one, you can say, all right, that's fine. It's the Lutz's story about living in this haunted house where something bad happened. Fine. Um, but it becomes more... It becomes more difficult to sort of say, right... And I guess that's, this is why we're doing it on this podcast, right? Uh, yeah. When you're taking a real-life a tragedy or something horrific in real life and then making a a film mm-hmm. out of it that always is a little a little tricky and especially in the second one where i think it, it's faithful ish to to the defeo motors i mean the motors themselves are fairly faithful i think yeah where this boy did go around and shoot his whole family including uh including his very young uh siblings um but then saying, but he's possessed by a demon, and now we're going to go have this priest kind of try and get this demon out of him. And that's kind of the end of it. Um, you're steals him from the, uh, from the prison, well, from the hospital um, to, to, to get this demon out. Um, and then gets the demon into himself. It, it's very, you know, obviously exorcist influenced at the end. Um, yeah, there are, there are a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. there are things that are direct. Yeah. I was going to say direct lifts. Literally direct lifts. <laughs> like whenever the words <laughs> lift up on the on the skin. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Help um, me or save me or whatever. It yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, 
I, I don't know, but I suppose I'd be interested to. I think you're going to have more to say about it than I will because I'm still very much my my opinions are changing over the years. But it used to be that I thought I think anything is sort of fair game to make a film about whether or not it's true, like whether or not it's based on a real story or mm-hmm. real people. Um, I used to think, well, it's fine because at the end of the day, artistic expression trumps all. Um, I don't really think that anymore. Um, and I've and I've grown more and more uneasy with with some things. That even once upon a time in Hollywood, with the the reimagining of the tape murders at the well, yeah, tape murders that don't happen in once upon a time in Hollywood at, at the end. Um, yeah, so so I've been thinking about that sort of thing. Um, and uh, then you then yeah, rewatching Amityville two, and I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know, is it all right? Is it all right to do that? Uh, to I, I understand it, taking inspiration from things, and everything is inspired by reality to some extent. Every horrible, yeah. grotesque, graphic thing, you know, is inspired by some form of reality. But to spe- have specific, to specifically adapt a real life, a real life horror, and turn it into your kind of fictional supernatural <laughs> horror, I don't know if I like that anymore. And so soon as well, so soon after, like, uh, it really was not well, It would have been about 10, 10 years or just yeah. under. If it yeah. was like, so if the, I think it was 1974, was it, with the murders? Um, yeah. So this was And then Amateur 2 so. comes out in 82. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's directed by, <laughs> this made me laugh to remember, it's directed by another... Damien, but, but this <laughs> yeah. this one's he's, he's doubled down and he's gone for yeah. Damien Damiani, <laughs> yeah. um, an Italian filmmaker who I think I read somewhere had been described as the most American Italian filmmaker. Yeah, um, <laughs> in in his in terms of his sensibilities, I think it was someone. I think it was Pasolini who said that about him. I th- in a kind of disparaging way, he yeah. said that this is the most Italian, uh, most American of our Italian filmmakers. Um, Although I kind of disagree that uh, Amateurville 2 is very Italian in a lot of well, ways. I think, because when I was, I mean, I was thinking the same sorts of things in the run-up to this, like about um, using um, actual, uh, you know, uh, murders and things like that in in, in this kind of way. Um, and I was thinking, well, I suppose um, it wasn't that long after, uh, after the, the Tate LaBianca murders that the first sort of um manson films or films very clearly based on on that anyway would start to appear um usually you know scrungy kind of uh um exploitation type things Mm -hmm. um so i suppose it it kind of became a a pop culture product of its of of its own it kind of had a separate life Uh, yeah but the difference is um, because then I thought, well, Amadeville's kind of the same. Um, although, was it as much the same in 1982? I don't know. Um, but the difference is that even those Manson films that, that may be very um, leery and very lurid uh, and, and, you know, grindhousey and all the rest, they don't do what this does. They don't start from the assumption... Or they're, they're not... To, to understand Amityville and Amityville 2, you have to understand that DeFeo was telling the truth. <laughs> he was possessed by demons and everything he did, he did as a result of that. Mm. Um, 
that's what the film tells you. There isn't, there's no ambiguity whatsoever. Um, whereas the Manson films do not start from a place where Charles Manson is indeed Jesus. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> he is indeed the one who will, who will bring harmony through, uh, through, um, through conflict and all the rest. Um, so that's very different. Uh, it's it's you know it's it's icky in a in a it's kind of like um like I have the same issue with um, with the exorcism of Emily Rose, um, mm. which I think is grotesque um, because basically it's a film it's a courtroom the, a- drama. Annalise, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, not, is Annalise? It is. Yeah, that they're based uh, on. Yeah, Annalise is it is it how do you pronounce is it Michael? Oh yeah, Annalise. Yeah, not Annalise Nelson. Um, Annalise. Mi- yeah, Michelle. Michael. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, I mean that that story is. I mean, everyone's. Well, if anyone's remotely interested in this sort of stuff, will have. See, I mean, there's a song on the first Public Image album about her called Annalise. Um, mm. uh, and yeah, so so essentially, what that was was um, a young girl was killed because uh, she had mental health issues and, and physical issues and she was subjected to a, a horrific ordeal uh, in an attempt to exercise her of, of whatever um, mm. and the exorcism of Emily Rose is a sort of um, is a is a dramatization of that which legitimizes the claims by mm. using a kind of John Grisham you know kind of time to kill sort of uh, Courtroom, courtroom drama thing yeah. so it's not a horror film so don't be don't be thinking that it's uh, it's <laughs> no it's this but it does the point is that the priest did nothing wrong yeah um, and so there's a similar thing with this and as you say I mean it's I mean people this was in recent memory um, mm. and so it, you know there's something quite uh, objectionable about yeah. it this this actual murder that happened it wasn't actually his fault because he was in in the world of this film anyway absolutely yeah. possessed by a by a demon yeah and yeah. i mean it, it, in a way i mean if horror can't be operating in per taste then you know what what can it do um and so it's not that i would uh, i i i think it's it's a difficult one to defend both as the person who has decided mm. to create this and as the person who's saying, this is amazing. <laughs> like, the, there was a recent um, uh, Northern Irish uh, horror film called The Devil's Doorway, mm. which took the the Magdalene laundries. Um, yeah. So the state um, essentially prisons for um, mm. for young women who had who had gone gone astray. Um, or were unweddable or unweddable, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, horrific abuses. Uh, mm. just, you know, and and that film hinged on the idea that it was the devil. <laughs> the devil mm. was to blame. Um, he was, uh, or it was causing the the nuns to do this and that, um, which mm. is rather letting the church off the hook. It, yeah, it really that- is, isn't it? <laughs> When this so, was so, an abuse absolutely perpetuated by the church. Oh no, but it was it, the church was being controlled by the devil. Is that yeah? What if anything, the, if anything, the, the church needed to be in there more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> would have been solved with more God. Yeah. Um, so so, the, so yeah. there's that kind of thing. Um, 
and maybe it's because uh, I guess I, I, I grew up with the films as I, as I said and um, it, it feels divorced from um, but, but I mean it is and I suppose as well the other thing with the Manson stuff is that there is a direct link from 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 the Manson um, things and, and the kind of you know the imagery and the the things associated with that that leads through into the likes of the Exorcist even and into this um, whether that's you know the general sense of of a generational shift and and there's something going on with with you know with our children that mm-hmm. we don't really understand and it could be quite dark or it's the you know the actual writing of things like pigs on the wall um, the same way. Yeah. I mean, I noticed recently rewatching The Exorcist that um, just how much of a part, or, or how how heavily that's kind of woven through it. Because the same thing when the when you see the steps, you know, there's very clearly written in great big red letters on the steps, uh, pigs. Uh, so things like that, you know, oh, okay. I wouldn't say anybody was intentionally setting out to do it, but it, that stuff was filtering through into. Mm. Uh, so, so there's a. Um, a line connecting them, I guess. Uh, and in fact, in the, so in 2018, I discovered, um, there was a film called the Amityville murders, mm. which is the same name as the book. This Amityville two is based on. And it's basically a remake just with a more naturalistic, I guess, uh, approach. Um, so it's <laughs> the, it's the, the fail story again. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not quite as, um, surreal and uh, yeah, some, but it's it's um, but it again it's, it starts with you know very a, a photograph of the um, of one of the the books about um, about the Manson murders and um, but what well, well, that that's something to pick up on a wee bit because that's an interesting yeah. um, late development in the franchise. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm not familiar at all with that. I haven't seen anything except for the. Uh the three Amityville horror films and then the uh, the remake with Ryan Reynolds. Um, but uh, go, just going back to what you were saying about, yeah, taking a real-life case and then kind of retroactively saying, oh, but the the villain was right all along, essentially, yeah. or, or was possessed by a demon, so, you know, that's that's the truth of it. It made me think, in in many ways, Amityville 2 does everything right. Like, I think you can take things from reality and then turn them into a supernatural horror film. I When I have a problem with it is when it's a real thing, using the real... And basically almost making a claim about what really happened. Um, yeah. Which, you know, arguably Amityville 2 does do. Uh, but I think Amityville 2's main... Maybe the reason I find it a little bit more palatable is that it does everything else that I think would excuse it from, from that sort of thing. It changes the name of the family. The family doesn't look... Hmm. It's not saying this is... Um, you know, this is Ronald DeFeo and his family and here's what he did to them. It. So even though we kind of laughed, oh, well, it's a different name and it doesn't make any sense. Uh, in some ways, I think that... I think it's different enough. Obviously, it takes the idea of a kid killing his family. But other than that, it's sort of different enough that you could be like, all right, this is a fictional film. I mean, obviously, it is a fictional film. But 
its main mistake, I think, is being part of the Amityville um, <laughs> series. Because yeah. Amityville, the, the reason that series exists is because originally this real-life murder did happen. Um, so you can't divorce it from that, even if you do change the names and, you know, nothing at all in the second half bears any resemblance to anything true at all. I, I don't think there was yeah. a priest involved with Ronald DeFeo or anything. Um, so, you know, I think the film itself taken on its own is fine. Uh, but the fact that it is clearly meant to be the Ronald DeFeo murders uh, makes it a little a little murkier, perhaps. Um, I also don't know, I mean, one of the kind of most daring, I suppose, things about the Amityville 2 is that whole incest subplot. Yes. Which is pretty, you know, for a sequel to as mainstream a horror film as uh, Amityville 1 was, having that in it, which also I don't think bears any resemblance. I, I don't know if there was anything to do with Ronald DeFeo and his sister. Uh, I, I don't know if, there, I th- if, if, if that was a detail in the... I've not, never read that. Not that I've never heard, remember, yeah. So. so if there... Yeah, so I think it's that's an invention of... Uh, Damien, Damien Damienson, or whatever yeah, his name is. Yeah. Uh, it's in, in many ways, it, 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 it does not feel like this, like a sequel in a franchise that has been, you know, uh, pulled so many different directions mm. to so little valuable ends. Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like it, like it, it doesn't feel like right. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it should be that that, that it should. But yeah. as, just as as you said, but um, maybe it's maybe as well. Maybe part of the reason why it seems is, um, to me, I, mean, it's, I think it's breathtaking. Um, maybe it's because of its proximity to those uh, to the films around it, which are absolutely not quite um, sure. Yeah. Well, is, is it worth maybe talking about things that we like it because we're sort of saying, oh, but this one's good, but then yeah, but we're, we said we're talking about it like <laughs> it's not very good. So, um, some things that I think are really well. You mentioned the camera work earlier on, and that yeah is absolutely like far more impressive, certainly than anything in the first one. The most interesting thing the first one's got going on is you know the house with a kind of high contrast red filter on it. That's about as artistic yeah, as it got. <laughs> That's um, actually just why when you say that just before, right, that's one of the things that I love most about this is that it's blue instead of red. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. the windows are blue light, uh, it's snowing, uh, it's frosty and autumnal and foggy, whereas the first film is, is sweating all the time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but it, it yeah it does a lot of uh, kind of impressive. Uh, stuff with the cameras like you know a lot of now this when did the first Evil Dead come out? 80, same year same year uh, so it, it can't uh, have been influenced by Evil Dead I, I would be no that that couldn't have happened I don't think no it it it, it wouldn't have been um, yeah because they wouldn't have been able to see Evil Dead before no but it looks like they did <laughs> it does yeah and I, that's why I wondered to myself I was like well because there's all this uh, POV of uh, point of view shots of the entity kind of running around the house exactly. and they're, sneaking they're up it's... on people and <laughs> yeah um there's actually <laughs> yeah uh and then the exorcism long... at the end when he's on the roof and he's mm. he's got proper full deadite makeup <laughs> yeah 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 and and talks similar to a dead but then again the exorcist also i suppose um 
Yeah, so it's got a lot of that, which is quite good. But also the camera does some pretty interesting things. There's a very good uh, shot where it kind of goes over his head. Um, you, you're seeing, from the, presumably from the POV of the entity, you're behind his head. And then the yeah. camera sort of lifts up above his head, goes the whole way around, and then lands in, in sort front of, of him. And it kind of, it kind of, it's almost as if it's hanging there. It kind of, it, yeah. um, it sort of... Yeah, it swings back and forward slightly. Yeah, um, yeah which is uh, very clever very, for the time, especially, um, you know, to do that within a set. Uh, it, it's pretty clever and would have taken a lot of effort. And I'm surprised, yeah, you know, with, with a sequel a sequel to a franchise like this, usually you expect that to be the kind of cash-in, which hasn't had yeah. all that much thought put into it. But this one, you know, they, they allotted time in their schedule and budget for things like that which aren't essential to the film being made aren't essential to the story but definitely add something to it that i think the first one certainly didn't have much of yeah there's i mean that that whole sequence so so that's that's towards that that's 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 the point where um right the before young fella sonny who is the ronnie yes. before um he's in the house himself and this is the point where finally the demon or whatever it is um does the actual possessing bit. So yeah. there's a sequence that starts with him upstairs going down into the basement where the, the celery bit. Yeah. Yeah, the basement um, full of shit. And an arm. <laughs> yeah. But but there's a, a very funny bit at the beginning um, where they're moving into the house and she gets one of the movers. I think one of the movers says, <laughs> Oh, you've got you've got an extra room back here in the basement. And yeah. And he's like, oh, I'll go and look at it for you if you want. And he sort of crawls in, instantly starts getting shit on. <laughs> and he spends such a long time just going, ah, ah, ah. Like he doesn't, like any normal person would do, kind of recoil and go, ooh, oh, God, that's horrible. He spends a while in there just getting shit, like landing on his head and all over him. And he's just going, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. Ah, oh, and he comes back out, and she's like, "Oh, what, what's what's wrong with you? So I'm covered in shit now." <laughs> but then they they never mention in the first film that that the the hidden room under the basement uh, becomes kind of a pivotal plot point at the end. In yeah, this one, yeah. the family they learn about it at the very beginning. The the matri- the mother sees someone go in there and get covered in shit. Yeah. And then it's never mentioned again. She doesn't seem to mention it, that it might. Oh well, maybe it's worth investigating this, this <laughs> room full of feces that we have in our new well, house. By, by today's prequel standards, we would understand that just as the bit where we know where the flies came from now. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's what we need to know. That's enough. <laughs> All right, yeah. so that's where they happened. Oh, yeah, okay. no, it comes right, right towards the end when the priest goes into the house, and you see presumably little Native Americans coming out of it. That's right. The the, the lost. <laughs> people yeah yeah which you know i like that bit but other than that it's just a kind of funny but we i guess we get the impression that that's where the evil's coming from um yeah it's just a room full of shit in their house uh but yeah so the (laughs) the demon the the entity sort of it, it doesn't chase him as such it's almost it's quite well done because you're seeing this guy's reaction to him knowing that something is around yeah. And so something's following him, but he's not looking at it for most of the time. He's not looking at it like, oh, I can see a, a, a demon or yes. something like that. He's just 
not quite sure and it's coming in front of his face and then going behind and, and yeah it's kind of chasing him without it being like a chase sequence until no. the very end when it finally then his eyes kind of widen i think he yeah he sort of it, sees it takes something him, it, it it follows him from 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 down that um shitty uh room down below yeah. um up the stairs into his room and then it does this i don't know what the hell is doing uh, he's, he's on his bed and and I mean that, that whole yeah, that sort well. of knocks I mean, him knocks him down onto his bed and then it it, knocks him down and it starts doing this thing where it um, sucks his stomach in mm. and the camera kind of tends to sort of crashes in and out yeah it crashes in and yeah. out um, in time with whatever's going on in his in his stomach um, mm. and there's a lot of uh, bumpy uh, the, gooey the lighting effects is... and. Yeah, yeah, and the lighting is kind of changing each time. It's really, really well done. It's incredible. It's and and his face you know, is yeah, his face is changing too. Each time the camera pulls yes, out, it, his face has gotten more kind of more like Michael Jackson actually in Thriller. When I come to think, <laughs> yeah, of yeah, a little bit. And actually, some of the, especially uh, when you see him possessed towards the end, there are these kind of pockets or right, yeah. pustules on his neck and face that are being inflated. Um, <laughs> yeah. In the same way that they did with the the werewolf makeup and with the thriller. werewolf makeup, yeah. yeah. So obviously it's inspired by Thriller. Obviously, um, <laughs> although earlier than that, before that, um, I think he looks more like he looks distractingly like um, Mick Jagger in uh, yes. the Start Me Up video. Yes, special. <laughs> so at the point in that possession rigmarole when he's when he's gone up the stairs backwards all i could hear was <laughs> like this time i was watching it i was like i really need to watch that to that song because i, I reckon that, mm. that that's going to work really well um but yeah that that whole i mean um I, um i've heard people uh uh the other person on, on the dvd commentary actually i think it's um stephen thrower um avoid sequences like that and they'll say like um Yes, really is. I mean, it's, it's too good for to be part of this, really. But you're like, but, but it's all that good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's all part of this. So surely, <laughs> if all the bits of this are that good, then then mm. maybe this is good. 